Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we're all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Centerpoint! What's poppin' 5 p.m.? Hey, go ahead and nudge your neighbor and say, hey, wake up, hey, wake up, hey, wake up, hey, wake up. Hey, wake up. It's okay. I had to tell myself too. Hey, girl, wake up, wake up, wake up. It's 5 p.m. What's popping, y'all? All right, so um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Brenda Palmer. I'm the Director of Communications and Experiences, and I have the pleasure of sharing the word with you this evening. So um, we are in this series called Legends. I wore this shirt just for it. It says the Legends of Old. Yeah, fancy. All right, so they've been killing it. And I was like, dang, what legend am I going to pick? I was a little struck. So the title of my message tonight is Worth the Risk. Say it with me. Worth. Okay, and then there's a subtitle, okay, because I like words. I'm communications director. It is um, Lessons from an Unlikely Legend. So before I introduce my legend, I'm going to tell y'all a story. So when I was thinking about worth the risk, I was thinking about this one time I risked my life. Um, so my niece is here. Whenever she visits, she likes to go on adventures. And I was trying to escape the adventure of skydiving. So I agreed to go kayaking. Wasn't better. So um, there's that. So, um, I, okay, so I'm from Chicago, like the west side of Chicago. That's the hood. We don't kayak, okay? The first time I seen a kayak was when I moved to California. I don't even know. I just, this is what happened. So we went, this is me, you know, they this is me second-guessing my entire life. Just, what is, why are we here? This is why are we here, okay? And then, you know, look at that. She just, she's not ready. And then at this moment, you know, I realized the risk. It's coming. Yeah, right? You know what I heard there? The Jaws theme music, huh? Because in my head, I didn't know that I was going to be kayaking in the Pacific Ocean. It said La Jolla. I didn't know what that means. I'm not from here. So when we got there and it was the Pacific Ocean, I was very confused. Emma, she went with us. And do you know, at the moment we were dragging the kayak is when she tells us that she can't swim. Why are we here? Why, why, why are we here? It was just, it was a disaster waiting to happen. I just, I don't know why we did that. But um, after we enjoyed looking at the caves and um, I couldn't feel my arms after 90 minutes of work, okay, it was not that enjoyable. It was a lot of work. You've been kayaking, I see you feel my pain. I see you nodding, my arms were tired, you know, but it was an experience and I realized that it was worth the risk. But one I'm never taking again. Okay, I'm good on that. I've kayaked the Pacific Ocean. I can put it on my list. I could go to heaven to meet Jesus because I'm never going again. All right, there it is. There it is. But I recognize that I often live my life on the edge. I take a lot of risk. And one thing that I've learned is a step towards Jesus is worth everything I will ever leave behind. Because I take a lot of steps towards Jesus and I usually don't have a clue where they're going to lead. One of them is right here. Took a step a year ago, moved to Marietta, California. Never heard of that either. The only Marietta I ever heard of was in Georgia. So I was like, where are we going? And here we are, preaching the gospel. Everything that I have to leave in that season, it doesn't even compare to the things that God walks me into. It was absolutely worth the risk. So I'm going to introduce you to my legend, 
We're going to start in Hebrews, and then we're going to jump to Joshua. If you got your Bible, just be ready. It's like, be ready to turn really quick, okay, because we're going to go back and forth. It's a journey. We got we to stay awake, so we got to be into it. Y'all ready? Okay, Hebrews. It was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. For she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Say, hey, Rahab. So that's my legend today. We're going to go ahead and read her story. We're going to flip over to, well, back, actually, to Joshua chapter 2, starting with verse 1. Okay. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Asiya Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. So this is lessons from an unlikely legend. The reason Rahab is an unlikely legend, she didn't even make the back of my shirt. I was very offended that Rahab didn't make the list of legends. But the reason she's an unlikely legend is because it says Rahab the prostitute. Here's the first lesson. What the world thinks about you doesn't change what God knows about you. Because the Israelites are needing to possess the land. So Joshua sends out spies, and the spies come to Rahab, the prostitute's house. It didn't keep God from using Rahab. And guess what? Whatever your name is, insert whatever your thing is, don't change what God knows about you. Whatever you need to put in that that space, your name and the addict, your name and the liar, your name and the stealer, guess what? Doesn't matter. Doesn't change how God sees you. Y'all looking at me. Usually the stuff that we've been through, we don't really like to talk about it. We like to act like we rode up in the 5 p.m. service straight from heaven, sat in these little black chairs, and um, when we leave, we're going back to heaven with Jesus. Love that. Love that. Love that for you, but we know that's not the truth. There are things that we've gone through in our lives, and we feel like because God brought us out of them, that, that's, that's, that's there. We don't even need to talk about that. But it is that thing that you were that amplifies the glory and it amplifies who God is. The fact that he would use somebody like you, don't worry about it, somebody like me. The fact that he would use somebody like me, because I'm going to tell y'all, I did did some stuff, okay? I'm a little shocked that he allowed me to stand up here and hold a microphone to tell you about him. But it's the very thing that makes him God. Y'all looking at me like I'm saying something. Let's go to Genesis. Don't worry about it. Y'all got your fingers in your Bible? Genesis 2. Let's go to verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. At first, I was going to call this message in the dust. Because dust is usually what we sweep under the rug. It's the stuff you sweep away. It's the stuff you don't want anybody to see. God looked at dust and saw a man. That says he saw dust and then he breathed the breath of life. That stuff that you think makes you less than and the reason why God can't use you, let him breathe on it. When the breath of God goes into your stuff, 
when God looks at you, he don't even see dust. God didn't look at that and see dust. He looked at dust and saw Adam. He looked at you and saw who he called you to be. Y'all looking at me like I'm saying something that y'all ain't never heard before. Let him breathe on your dust. Because what society, not just society, what you think about you don't change what God knows. Because oftentimes what keeps me from taking the risk is that I feel like I'm unworthy and I'm not enough and I can't do it. We just talked about kayaking. The fact that Emma didn't know how to swim didn't keep her from getting in the water. What's holding you back from doing the thing that God's calling you to do? Let him breathe on it. Let's go to Jeremiah. One in five. Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. So when I say that what you think, what society thinks, what society calls you, what they labeled you as doesn't change what God knew, because before you stepped foot out your mother's womb, he knew you. But he doesn't know the bad decisions that you made. He don't know you through, through your mistakes. He don't know you through your past. He knows the you he created you to be. And until you, pro, until you become that, he'll call you out of it. So every time he asks you to take a step in faith, it's because he's calling you closer to who he created you to be. So when he calls you into something and you say, I don't really know if that, that's because you don't know you. He does. You haven't even met you yet. If you aren't walking in the fullness of who God created you to be, you don't even know you. But before you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew you. So what you think and what society says doesn't change what God knows. All right, let's go back to Joshua. I got your hands ready. Just flip back and forth. Let's go to verse 2. But someone told the king of Jericho about the spies. Some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab. Bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. I want you to pay attention to verse 4, because at this moment, Rahab makes a decision. Rahab had hidden the two men. But she replied, yes, the men, they, they were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went, but if you hurry up, you could probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax she had laid out. In this moment, Rahab chooses our second lesson from an unlikely legend that she feared God more than she feared man. She made a decision that, hey, I don't care what y'all think. Because when I was reading this, 
I just had this thought. I was like, hey, what if they would have said, open up, let us see? What was she going to do? I just, I was like, dang, Rahab, that's a risk. You took a chance. But because she was in the alignment with the plan of God, God protected her. He covered her. Because this is according to his plan. So she makes a step. She chooses to fear God more than she fears man. Well, Brenda, how do you know? Let's keep reading. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. Here is what she said. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sion and all those two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. She said, hey, I don't really care about a king because your God is taking out kings left and right. And we heard about it. And so in this moment, I'm choosing to fear your God more than I feared man. She recognized that what she was sacrificing didn't compare to what she would receive in adopting the God of Israel. That's Rahab. What about you? What haven't you stepped into because of what you think men will say? I'll let you take a minute to think about it. You know that journal that you ain't picked up in five years because somebody told you it wasn't going to work out and you didn't do it, you never went after it? What's that? What's that? I'll tell you a story. So in 2020, I started a podcast. I didn't know anything about podcasting. The Lord just said start a podcast. And then somebody gave me a word that said take it serious. I'm like, okay, I guess I should start a podcast. And um, I thought the podcast was going to be like, I really love like culture, entertainment. So I wanted the podcast to be like, hey, I got questions because I usually have questions about a lot of things that happen in the world. And then God says, no. He says, it's time for you to tell your testimony. I said, whoa, slow, slow up there, God. Slow up there. I don't, I don't know about all of that. I don't know if that's really what you, I don't, I don't think that's really what you want me to do. He said, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I said, no. He said, yes. I said, no. He said, yes. Podcast, it came out, just so you know. <clears throat> I say no often, but there it is. I cried really hard because to tell my testimony literally meant blowing up the life I had walked away from. And here's what God asked me and what he continues to ask me whenever he's asking me to step into something. Do you care more about what people will think more than what I'm asking you to do? Because if I'm saying I'm a believer, my life should be surrendered to him, his plan, his call. That's the only thing that matters is that I please him. It overrides what man says, what man thinks, what man critiques. It overrides it all. So I'm telling you, if there's a thing in your heart that you think you put it there, newsflash, you didn't. He did, and he's waiting on you to take a step into it. Here's the thing. People's lives depend on that step you are or are not taking. Don't, don't worry about it. Let's go, let's go to the, let's go to the, let's go to, it says, let's read what it says. Verse number 12. Now swear by me. Swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. 
give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all their families. Rahab's one decision to fear God more than she feared man set her entire family free. What about you? You think that decision that you got to make is tough? What if I told you that your kids and your grandkids and their kids, their lives depend on you taking a step? And let me tell you, a risk in Jesus ain't a risk because he got you. If he's the one asking you to do it, I, I, I would recommend that you do it. See how, so when you make a recommendation, it got to be solved, you know? I would recommend that you would follow the Lord when he asks you to do something. Because you could be breaking generational curses with that step. Ooh, I don't know why I'm digging here, but you think it's just on you? It's, it got your family line attached to it. Rahab understood that that one step meant freedom, not just for her, but her family. That book you need to write. That business you need to start. Poverty been running through your, your line, your generational line. What if you write that book and it becomes a New York Times bestseller and sets up generations to come? Y'all, it's so much bigger than that one decision. It's so much bigger than that. Here's why we don't fear God. Let's go to Jeremiah 1 and 8. Y'all with me? Here it is. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Mic drop. I just, there's <laughs> no more questions. <laughs> Oh, Brenda, I'm so afraid. Don't be afraid of the people. Because I'm going to be with you. And not only am I going to be with you, but I'm going to protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. It's just, he spoke. That's what he said. It wasn't me. All right. So, um, we read that she asked for her family, right? And her friends. I mean, family and the family's families. Here's the third lesson. Choosing God is always worth the risk. I already kind of told y'all that, but that's the point. Let's go to James 2, uh, 25. Rahab, the prostitute, is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. It wasn't enough for Rahab to just in her heart receive the Lord and say, man, I love the God of Israel. I'm going to serve him. She had to make a decision and she had to step into her decision. It required her to answer the door and tell a lie. I don't know where that aligns up with the Lord. Don't tell a lie, but <laughs> do what the Lord tells you to do. <laughs> she had to make a decision. But we sometimes think, if I make this decision, God's going to do this. 
In actuality, she just gave you a list of all the reasons why her and the people in that nation feared God. God did something, she heard about it, and then she made a decision. We think, I make a decision, then God does something about it. No, 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 no. Y'all looking at me because y'all not used to that. Let's go to Romans. Romans 3. So where does that leave our proud Jewish insider claims and counterclaims? Cancel? Yes, canceled. What we've learned is this. God does not respond to what we do. We respond to what God does. We finally figured it out. Our lives get in step with God and all others by letting him set the pace, not by proudly or anxiously trying to run the parade. When God does something, I hear about it, I learn about it, I experience it, then I make a decision. When I was growing up, they would be like, hey, don't do that or God gonna send you to hell. Like, that was just what it was. I don't know where y'all grew up, but that was, I, I grew up in a church, and they would be like, hey, don't do that, because God going to send you to hell. In actuality, I wonder how many people would have listened if they said, hey, do you know that God loves you so much that he sacrificed his only son just for you, and there's nothing you could do to change his mind about you? I wonder, would we then have responded like, man, I want to serve a God like that? then I'll make a better decision because I recognize he did this for me, so I want to do this for him. Rahab said, hey, I see what your God did for y'all. He parted a Red Sea, took out two kings. Hey, I want in on that, so I'm going to take a step into faith. How about you? She made a life decision to risk her life off something she heard. Heard, heard, heard. We get to know, we get to have relationship, we get to experience and still won't make a decision to follow him. We, we get to know him, we get to see him, we get to see his hand, we get to experience his hand in our lives. We get to experience his heart. Mm -hmm. and still won't make a decision to follow him. Choosing God is always worth the risk. Last one. There is always a bigger picture. When we're reading in verse 14, it says, after she asks about her families, then the spies respond to her. They say, we offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety. If you don't betray us, we'll keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. I was reading this and I'm like, hey, Lord, I know this is like a story about Rahab and the spies and the Israelites need to possess the land. But why, why did it have to be Rahab? I don't know if you know this, but Jesus, that Rahab is the lineage of Jesus. If you read in Matthew 1 and 1, it says, this is the lineage of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then Rahab's name is in that list. 
Rahab the prostitute, her name is in the list, in the lineage of Jesus. She was Boaz's mother. So I took one step back and stared at the text, and I said, I know this is one story about this, but the bigger picture is that really Jesus, God, is protecting his promise. Because if Rahab would have been wiped out, ain't, ain't, ain't no David, ain't no Boaz, ain't, it, the line stops. There's another verse, I don't got it, it's just coming to me right now, but it, it basically says that God is the one who draws people to him. So yes, Rahab may have had an experience, or could it be that God drew her to him to protect his promise? Because that moment needed to happen so you and me could be standing here looking at each other. There's always a bigger picture. So then I took one more step back. And I said, all right, Lord, you know, when you read your Bible, the text just start saying stuff that ain't there on the page. It's just saying stuff. So then I said, okay, Rahab, the prostitute. That's verse 2. A prostitute is unfaithful, uncommitted, unworthy, undeserving. And then we slide down a little bit more, and we read, the spies in verse 14 say, our life for yours. Then we slide down a little bit more. Let's go to verse 18. It says, when we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all your family members, your father, mother, brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside the house. I started staring at it, and I wanted to know, why was it important that the rope be scarlet? I looked it up in every version, because you know, some versions be making up their own words. I went to the King James, it says scarlet there too. Because you know that's, you gotta check with the King James. Another version said red. I said, Lord, why, why such description? Why do we need to know? So here we got Rahab, the unfaithful, uncommitted, undeserving, unworthy, and spies come to her house and offer their lives for hers. And in order to receive the protection that they promised her, she had to hang a scarlet rope outside of her house so that when the soldiers rolled up and said, hey, this is Rahab the prostitute, she gotta go. There's a, a scarlet rope that's attached, which reminds me of the blood of Jesus because it speaks a better word. So when the rope is hanging, it really represents what Jesus did for you and me. So it didn't, they didn't see Rahab the prostitute. They saw whoever God created her to be. So while I'm looking at the story of Rahab, I'm really seeing a picture, a foretelling of what God was going to do through Jesus. He took us unfaithful, uncommitted, unworthy, undeserving. And then he came to us and offered us his son and said his life for yours. And then he said, as a result of him overcoming death, I snatched his blood across everything to cover you. And not only
through the finished work of Jesus. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word. So when you say, ah, man, I was an addict. I was a drug dealer. I was stealing. I was lying. The blood speaks a better word. God says, you're my child. And I thought you were to die for. There's always a bigger picture. So whatever you go through, whatever you're going through, whatever you're walking through, whatever you've experienced, there's a bigger picture. God is always after you. And he don't change his mind. I got two stories really quick. In 2017, I started to feel the call of God on my life. Strong. And I was like, no, bro, I'm good on that. He said, girl, what? I said, no, I'm, I'm really good on that. I, I actually don't want no part of that. I went on a trip. I hadn't drank and smoked in like two or three years. I went on a binge, like turned up, like on the backseat of my car eating Doritos because I was, had the munchies. If you laughing, because you know. <laughs> and I'm like, see, God, you don't want me, pastor, ministry? No, absolutely not. He said, when you get done with that, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And guess what? Nothing you do surprises him. He's all knowing, which means he already created a plan to handle that stupid stuff that we be doing. He already knew it was going to happen. And he created a plan. Let me tell you, Romans 8.28 says all things work together for the good of those who believe and are called according to his purpose. So my bad mistakes and what I was in don't trump what God said about me. Because he breathed life into that dust. Those mistakes, that's dust. He breathed into it. He's always after us. Last story. Monday, we had a gas leak here on campus, and we had to evacuate. Everything's good because y'all here. It's fine. Um, <laughs> young adults were supposed to meet in the chapel. And instead of them canceling, they said, hey, last minute, we just going to take it to rival. 46 young adults showed up. Josh... The worship team, they coming out. He sees a girl in line and says, hey, why don't you just come and check out young adults? She said, okay, cool. I'll come. She goes over, sits in the service. Another girl who would have been serving as CP Kids happened to be there because of the gas leak. The Lord drops a word in her spirit. She speaks out against depression, says chains are breaking, all of this. The girl that comes to visit just because she so happened to be at rival pulls Christina aside at the end and says, man, I planned on committing suicide this week. But because of what happened here, I felt the darkness lift. And I found where I belong. Hey, let me tell you, that story will preach by itself. The moment Christina told me, I cried. Because there's always a bigger picture. We're thinking we're inconvenienced by a gas leak and God had a plan. That girl's life needed to be saved. And just like that, God is after you. Even the girl who spoke the word against depression would have been here had there not been a gas leak. 
sovereignty of God. It's him working this over here so that this over here can make sure it falls into alignment with his plan. So that girl took a risk that night. And I know this is called worth the risk, but it's not just so you can take risk. It's so that you can accept that Jesus thought you were worth the risk. Well, Brenda, what was the risk? He that knew no sin became it so that you could receive who he is. He thought you were worth the risk. He didn't know if you would choose him. There are people who chose other religions, and guess what? He died for them too. God said, die for them all with hopes that you and I would take the same risk and step out there, and maybe they get a chance to meet the same Jesus that you met. I'm done. If anything I said is hitting your heart, number one being Jesus is so after you that you would collide with him and choose him, I promise you it's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. And if there's anybody here and you feel like, hey, I don't know, dude, but I'm willing to take a risk. All you have to do is shoot your hand up all over this room, wherever you are. Yeah, amen, man, amen, amen. We rejoice with you. Here's the second call. If you feel like, hey, Brenda, I know Jesus, but um, <clears throat> we might need a reintroduction. Room for you too. He's after you too. Everything that Jesus does is a step to call us higher. We never make it. We all got dust. Just be dusty. Let him breathe on it. If that's you and you feel like, hey, he's calling me higher in this moment, go ahead, shoot your hand up wherever you are. Yeah. Yeah. If you raise your hand, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to be really bold and take a risk and meet me down here at this altar. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, man. I'll come get you. Come on, yeah, come on. If you saying yes to Jesus for the first time or if you need to rededicate. Amen. Man, God loves you so much. He loves you so much. Yeah. Amen. All right, we're going to all say this prayer together. Can you lift your hands for me? That's just a simple sign of surrender and saying, Lord, I wasn't built to carry this, so I'm going to let you have it. And everything that I've been trying to do in my own strength, I release it in this moment. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. All right, so everybody repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and you rose again on the third day come into my life and live your life through me thank you Jesus for saving me yeah in Jesus name we rejoice for this man of God yeah let's worship